Let's hop into our uh, message today that we're doing. We're in a series called Go Eat Popcorn. It's called that, so you remember, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. These four letters that Paul wrote to the church are, are just so important for us because they're filled with amazing foundational truths that we need to know. And so we looked into um, Galatians together already. And what I wanted you to get out of Galatians was that we, um, this life that we live in Christ is lived in response to what God has done for us, not in us trying to live in such a way to get him to respond to us. There's a significance in that that we need to understand. And then when we looked at Ephesians, uh, I was telling you that it's a lot about our identity in Christ, particularly as the church. And that we need to make sure we don't think of the church as something we do. The church is something that we are. We're the church individually and we're the church corporately. Right now you're the church corporately. We're gathered together. But when you leave here today, you'll still be the church. You'll be the church out on mission in the world. You're the church. There's something about taking that in that begins to change the way that we live. Today we're going to start a look into Philippians. And in Philippians, really what I want you to see is that because of... Um, living in response to his love and who we are in Christ, there's some fundamental thought processes that need to be changed in our lives. We have to think differently as we approach this. And Paul really begins to spell those out for us as we look into Philippians together. So that's where we're heading. Uh, That's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. These are, I guess, particularly bad, which makes me very happy. But uh, somebody texted me this. Did you hear about the special at the pet store? Buy one dog, get one flea. (laughs) Last night, they like groaned at that one. There was nothing. Now, this is my favorite, but it hasn't worked yet. I recently bumped into the guy who once sold me an antique globe. It's a small world. I think just, I I like, I don't even mean that. My wife and I were watching silent tennis yesterday. It's the same as regular tennis, only without the racket. Silent tennis. <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose, Philippians 1, 20 through 27. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, uh, one of the things I've encouraged you to do during this series is to sit down with your Bible and before you begin to read... Pray a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, would you just show me what you want me to see today as I read? I call it illuminated reading. Because I want you to, to approach the Bible differently. That's been a big part of this whole series. That, that you, you look at the Bible and reading it 
actually is, is not like a duty or a chore. It's something that you're encouraged to because it's alive. It's like no other book. And the Holy Spirit will show you things. And that you need to sort of read expectantly. And we've been looking at different stories throughout the Scripture. And I'm telling you throughout the entire book, look for Jesus because He's in there. And we need to know that. So as I was reading this week uh, and, and asking the Holy Spirit, you know, what, what is it that you want me to see this week? I really sort of focused in on this verse, verse 26. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Now, um, some wording in there. Rather than abound, I think a better word is overflow. That should be there. So, so that your, your, your confidence or your joy in Christ will overflow. And that word joy could be confidence. There's something about this relationship with Jesus that Paul calls us to that impacts us in such a way that actually this life overflows out of us into the world around us. And so there's something about that that we need to understand. But beyond that, there's this idea of resting in His love for us. Knowing who we are in Christ allows us then to rest in His love And the reality is that the love of God is so vast and so amazing that heaven itself can't contain it. And it actually overflows out of heaven into us. And then what's supposed to happen is that it flows out of heaven into us and then it flows through us into the world around us. That's the picture. And and I like to think of that as living in the overflow. Because that's where we find life. You need to live in that overflow. Everything of consequence flows from the overflow of His love. And when we're in it, when we live in that overflow, it changes us. It changes our lives. It changes how we relate to other people. And so we'll we'll either live in this life um, in loving relationships that, that come from this amazing overflow of God that spills over to us, or we'll sort of live on empty where we don't have anything to offer anybody. And, and so we need to be in that place where our love tank, if you, if you know that term, is filled continually. I like to think of that. I have, a, I have a cat. You mostly hear about my dog, but sometimes you hear about my cat. My cat's a little different. My dog is like full-on part of the family, wants to be involved in everything, sits in our laps, wants to be wherever we go, never wants us to go anywhere. But my cat shares my office with me, and my cat is, is different. My, my cat has a different relationship. But she does have a love tank, but it's very small. <laughs> but when it's empty, she changes almost completely. She, she comes from being sort of very aloof and like, why are you in my space? Get out of here, human. I can feel it. You know what I mean? You again? Really? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. Leave at once. But I don't. But she'll, and every now and again she'll change. And then she'll start kind of walking between my legs and she starts purring and she wants some attention. So, you know, I'll begin to, to give her some attention where she likes it and she, likes, she, she starts, you know, she purrs, she's loving it. Um, but her love tank's very small because if I don't pay attention to what I'm doing, if I look away just for a second, she bites me. The moment that tank is full, she's done. It's her way of saying, I'm good now, go back away. So, very small love tank. But... We need our love tanks continually filled from God. See, we're not like that. And and so we need to be pressing into Him all the time. I love this verse from the Apostle John. 1 John 4, 7 through 10. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice 
for our sins. So there, there's three things that I want to talk about with you today from that particular passage. The first is this, that to live in this overflow that I'm talking about, we have to love one another. This is one of those big foundational uh, shifts that we need to make in this life in Christ, is that it has to be less about us and more about Him, um, because it's not all about us. Whenever I say that, I, I, I say this afterwards, it's some about us. You, you need to understand that. But it's not all about us. And that, that one of those changes, there's a reality that this is his story and that, that he's invited us into it. But we're not the center of the story. And we every day have to really push back against that because we fall into that very quickly. And one of the ways that we, we really stay out of his story is that we understand we're to be loving others well. He says in uh, verse 7, First uh, John, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And, and the way it's written, it actually means that loving like this should become a habit in our lives. That loving this way should be a habit that's formed in us as we yield to the Holy Spirit. And it just becomes the normal practice for us that, that we get, that, that we're to be loving others well. In the New Testament, there's over 50 one another verses. There's, there's over 50 verses just in the New Testament that has this whole idea of loving others. We're to, we're to encourage one another, forgive one another, serve one another, honor one another, be devoted to one another. Uh, this is a great thing to go and look up at some point in your own study. Go and look up the one another verses in the New Testament and see what that looks like in our lives. So, so part of that is what we're looking at. We're, we're to love others. Secondly, it's very important that we connect with God in this process, we have to connect with God. That's point number two. Let me read verse seven on. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. So loving others well is only possible when we tap in to the source of this love, the one whose love tank never goes empty, and that's God, this love that's overflowing from heaven and pouring into us. And, and the way it's written, it's, a, it's about a, a, a parent-child sort of relationship. We're to be that close to our heavenly Papa. We're to be connecting with Him. And, and, and our ability to love God then um, puts us in places where we can love others well. Uh, when, when we're engaged in that process, and we, when we start to look at life that way, Things will start to happen where you'll be in situations where you can allow that love to flow through you. It's amazing how God does it. I call it divine appointments. And, and they'll happen throughout the day. That you'll be in the right place at the right time just to give a, a word of kindness to someone or to, to smile at someone. Uh, you know, I'm a, have you ever... I look at people. It's one of the things I do when I'm in public places. And you sort of look at their face and see where they're at and then smile at them and see if you can get them to smile back. But, but if you're doing that, don't do like a weird smile because that really messes things up. Don't do one of them crazy like... Because then they think, well, they're crazy and they run away from you. It's got to be kind of normal. But, but, but that kind of smile is loving people well. People need to see that, that they've even been noticed is significant to some people. Some people think they're virtually invisible, that nobody even notices. They go through life. And so one of the things that we can do is to love others well that way, just looking at them. And so, um, so when we're connected with God, it will flow out of us in the way that we love others. Uh, in a significant way. How do we connect with God? Listen, I, I talk about this with you all the time. Uh, I, I encourage you, read your Bibles. Read your Word. 
like I said, read it, you know, like a story. Read it looking for Jesus. We've been talking about that from the beginning to the end. Looking for Him and, and what He does and, and looking for the way that God has done this amazing redemptive path throughout the Scripture and how it all ties together for us and how, how it's His story, but He invites us into it. And how, you know, we have, the, we have the beginning and we have the ending done, but the middle is still happening. Not that we're adding to Scripture, but the story is going on in us as the church. And, and sit down, you know, with some expectancy to look at it that way. Because it's such an amazing, amazing thing. And, and then you need to spend some time praying. A little bit of time every day. And I hope that would expand you know, throughout the day. But, but I think when I talk with folks, because of the busyness of our world and the constant bombardment of things at us and how easy it is to have noise on and, and people going on all the time and on TV and everything else, that, that it, there's something that gets in the way of us just getting quiet. And spending some time with God. And there's something about silence and solitude that will draw you closer to Him. And I, and I have to encourage you to structure some time in your life to get that. And the reason that it can be so difficult is we have a very real enemy who really does not want you to do those two things I just talked about. He doesn't want you in the Scripture and he doesn't want you praying. Because if he can keep you so busy that you don't do those things, we become far less effective in this world. We, we don't have the impact on people around us because we're not living the life that he's called us to live in a way that makes a difference. So, so I want to encourage you, make that a priority. It's one that, that, you know, that we need to know. We need to connect with God in this process. He's our unlimited source of love. And, and in order to live from the overflow, uh, then we have to love others and we have to connect with God. And then the third thing that we have to do uh, is to contemplate continually... The amazing love of God. Contemplate continually. I know those are two big C words there, but, but uh, contemplate continually. The amazing love of God. I love to think about the love of God. And, and I want you thinking about it throughout the course of the day. Isn't it good to know that God loves you and that he's for you and that he forgives you? We were laughing earlier. My, uh, Alice and I, we took um, four of our grandkids. Doug came with us. Four of our grandkids this week to the movies. And we went down, because the Regal Cinema was now open, and they were showing Dumbo, and we wanted to go and see that. And so we, we drove down there, and, and they did a great job on the, on the theater. Very excited, you know, the nice seats and everything. It's like being, you know, in a big city somewhere. And uh, we were enjoying that. It was all going really well. And then when the lights came on at the end of the movie, I looked at our row. We'd taken a whole row. We had completely destroyed Row J in that theater. <laughs> I was embarrassed. There was just popcorn and candy wrappers as far as you could see. And I'm, I'm like, oh, this is horrific. You know what? I'm trying to bring my shoes around. I'm trying to get it. We're trying to wrestle kids. And then I just had to ultimately hope for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, there's no way around it. I can't fix it. It's not coming. Yeah, okay. So the Regal Cinema is beautiful except for Row J in Theater 5. That's on me. I'm sorry. Don't, if you've got you to assign seats now, stay out of road, J. Okay, so. So, so listen to this. So I think about God's love and forgiveness. You know, he's so cool because we're such a mess. Listen to how he finished this, First John 4, 9. Uh, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, 
And you think, how does that all tie together? And, and what's going on with there? Well, when, when we think about what God's done for us, and the problem that we have is with sin, right? Our sin has separated us from God. And Paul says, it didn't make your notes in Romans six twenty three that the wages of sin is death. So we have a significant issue apart from Christ because sin ends in death. And so we have this problem, except what we have there is that John says, but, but because God loved you so much, this is how he showed you his love. He sent Jesus into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sin in order to change things. Well, what is he changing? Well, we have this pattern of sin and death that needs to be broken. So we're going to go back quickly into the Old Testament. And we're going to see how this pattern works, and then we'll see how it's broken, okay? So um, some of this we've talked about a little bit. Remember Adam? We've we've looked at that. When God made Adam, he made him out of the dust of the ground. That's what it says. But Adam's sin um, messes that up, and God says, you know, from dust you came, to dust you will return. You, You can see how something came out of nothing, and how sin happens, and then it's going to go back, in effect, to nothing. Well, the same is true of Adam's world. We, we looked at creation. We've taken the time. And I said, you know, that, that when you go back to Genesis 1, there's this sphere, this planet, but it's covered in water completely. There's nothing going on. And then God speaks into it ten times. And, and what happens then is he brings out of that nothing, he brings this amazing paradise. And he brings all the animals. And he brings Adam and Eve. And everything is perfect. And they're, they're living together in complete harmony. And everything is amazing. And it's just the most awesome thing ever. And then what happens? Sin enters the picture. And it begins this, this cycle that's going to lead into something else. And we know if we read on, by the time Genesis 6 comes, we get to Noah. And, and the flood is coming, and then the flood comes, and do you see, it's another reset. It goes back, the earth goes back to a sphere covered in water, just like before creation. The only difference now is there's the ark, which is the path of redemption, is still sort of floating on the seas. But there's a pattern. Um, God brings something out of death, and he gives it life, and then it sins, and it falls back into its original state. So this pattern happens throughout the scripture. That's why I say you've got to read looking for things, because it's not just a quickly slapped together book of 66 different books, you know, that, that were written by 40 different authors and they don't make sense. It's all tied together because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So you look at the history of Israel. We like, we watch a history channel sometimes. We like history. My wife's a big history buff. She reads a lot of history books. She always gives me the highlights. She's like my cliff notes into history. So, uh, so let me give you the history of Israel and how to remember it real quickly. So if you think about Israel, around the year 2000 B.C., that's not an exact year, but I like to round things off or I can't remember it. 2000 B.C., um, God calls Abram, Abraham, out of the east. He lives in the east, in the era of the Chaldees, and uh, God calls him and says, look, I have a new land for you and a whole new people's going to happen, and so you need to start moving in this direction. Abraham responds, and we know that happens, and then there's a series of events that take us to around 1500 B.C., and at that point now, we're at Moses' time, and, and what does, it, Moses does is that he gets the people, God uses them to get the people out of bondage and captivity. You guys know that story. We've talked about it a lot. So from 2000 B.C. to about 1500 B.C. And then right after that, Joshua, he goes into the land of Canaan with the people of Israel, and they occupy it, and that becomes Israel. So now they have a new land. And then the kings start to happen, 
And by the time we get to around 1,000 B.C., we're up to King David. And this is the height of the, the kingdom uh, in Israel. And everything's going really well. And, and David's there, and he takes Jerusalem. They, they capture Jerusalem, and he fortifies that city, puts walls around it, and he prepares everything for the temple. But Solomon is going to build the temple right after that, and the Tal- Solomon builds the temple, in fact, in, in 950 B.C., something like that. So, um, but something happens during... David's reign that causes the beginning of this big reset that we see that happens all the time. And that's this monumental sin with Bathsheba. Significant that that happened. It wasn't a little thing. He gets forgiven and everything, but it changes everything because of the the sin. You know, that instead of doing what he should have been doing when kings go out to war, he stays back at the house. He sees Bathsheba taking a bath. He wants Bathsheba. He doesn't care that she's married. He, He has her, you know, the whole problem. Uriah is the husband and he's honorable. And so David has him killed. Significant sin, right? It's addressed by the prophets. and Anyway, so, so that begins this, this reset. And you go, well, how does that happen? Well, over the next period of time, what happens is that around, it starts to fall into chaos. 586 B.C., the Babylonians come, and, and they start to do some amazing things. They go into Jerusalem. The Babylonians, they take Jerusalem. And the first thing they do is they destroy the temple, undoing what Solomon did. And then they break down the walls in Jerusalem, undoing what David did. And then they come in and they occupy with their people, Israel, that entire land, undoing what Joshua did. And then they put the people back into bondage and captivity, undoing what Moses did. And then you know where they take them? Back east, undoing what Abraham did. And there's this this cycle that's in there that we see of what happens and the causes of sin and what's going on. And then while they're in bondage there, what they do is they start, the prophets start talking about a redeemer and they start praying to be rescued from that. And we know what happens is that ultimately Jesus enters the scene. And, and uh, in the genealogy of Matthew, uh, this is what he says, Matthew 1.17. There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. And so the Christ comes, and that's Jesus. And what happens when Jesus comes that changes everything is that Jesus never sins. Because Jesus doesn't sin because he's perfect, there's no more need for a reset. And so his kingdom goes on forever. But what he does is because he never sins, but he willingly goes, though, and gives his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he breaks that pattern off of us that we deserved because our sin, the wages of sin is death. He breaks that off of us so that we can now have eternal life with him. And that's the amazing love that you have to ponder about who God is and the lengths that he's gone to in order that we could be reconciled to him and live with him forever. And, and that's the kind of stuff that you have to dwell on and think about. You, you'll read the Old Testament and you'll see people that, that, that fail just like we do. But, but you contrast that to the perfection and the glory and the splendor of Jesus and, and what he did for us. And, and that, that as we sort of get into that, what happens is we can live this life with him now and forever, full and abundant, but so abundant that it overflows and makes a difference in the world around us because that's where we find life. So that's the beginning of the, the processes of our thoughts that he's going to change. And we're going to dig into a lot more as we dig on in to Philippians in the weeks ahead. But we're going to end it there for today. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over the wall here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group. Then we can have breakfast again and dismiss. Thank you, Papa. 
for your love for us and how amazing you are, God. And, and, and how dynamic and amazing your love for us is. And, and Papa, I pray that, that as we sort of rest in that love and as we contemplate that love, that it would change us. And, and then that change would not only impact us, but the world around us. It would flow through us. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again today for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything this morning, the folks over there pray for you. They pray for your healing, relationship, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got going on. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, draw people in, Lord, to the 11 o'clock service so they can hear about your amazing love for them as well. You are an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer for anything, I said get that. If you don't yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Let's take care of that too today. Humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. And you've sinned. Asking God to forgive you what you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed that prayer, do it now. Or go ask somebody and they'll help you with that. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, go get it. God is amazing. Praise God from whom all blessings May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast is in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Hope your driver wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.